Hello, and welcome back to Beats, Riot, and Types. This is episode 11, and you are listening to the sounds of The Clean, uh, awesome band from New Zealand that I was introduced to by a good friend of mine, Rob Carmichael. Shout out to Rob. Uh, we should try to have him on here one day, even though he doesn't know anything about computers. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of my favorite one of my favorite songs by a really awesome band, and everyone should check them out if you haven't. Today we're going to talk about how how we learned how to cook and how we learned how to code and what it was like to be a beginner in those things. And uh, you know, it, of course, in a way we're we're all per- perpetual beginners, but. Uh, trying to think back to the times where we were introduced and and how we learned and what we would say to people who are trying to either you know figure out how computers work or you know want to get into cooking as a hobby how how we can uh, you know what our reflections on those times were so Aaron before the show you said you you, you were reflecting so did you uh, did you come <laughs> up with anything did you come up with anything in your in your reflections <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I'm kind of far distant at this point from being a pro, a beginner in programming, but I I definitely remember you know the early days and remember the pains of that. And just because I was I'm not necessarily a beginner in general anymore, I still um, like Mike said I still you know feel like a beginner at different times when I'm doing new things and you know that's definitely something I aspire to do is try to be a beginner as much as possible. I was thinking about it and realizing you know I kind of learn learn a little differently than a, a lot of other people like I don't I don't actually know how other people learn entirely but I, I never I'm, I'm like someone who was never really good at learning at school and I I graduated high school and graduated college but not because I was really uh really a good student I learned I've learned from day one I think for as just a you know by doing I've learned by like really finding something that I wanted to do trying to figure out how to do it and then bashing my head or my hands against the keyboard until it worked you know patting myself on the back and then running around in circles excited and then realizing that I still don't know how to do anything and so my early days as a programmer I took I took some computer science classes in high school and in college but really I, it was all like just I want to build this thing I want to do I had a goal in mind like I wanted to build I remember very clearly I wanted to build like a Mortal Kombat style game on my computer and I was like okay well, how do I do that and I tried to figure out Visual Basic and then used this uh my dad had this very very early digital camera that like saved pictures onto floppy disks and used that uh to like take a bunch of pictures of me and my brother and then animated that and turned that into like a non-working video game and i was like wait but how do you do like how do you know when another player hits another player and then i was like okay i guess that's called hit detection and trying to figure out this whole thing but it was definitely from like just one thing after another until i figured out okay this is how this is how i do it and i i was thinking about it today i was like wait that's kind of still how i learn and that's still how i do things i mean i i think i'm a little more practical these days and try to like read and do a little more research but it's definitely a lot of just trial and error until until something works how about you do you remember your early days of being a programmer i mean you taught too so you saw some early programmers firsthand yeah i mean uh i taught i taught, taught computer science for a few years and and had spent some time before that kind of thinking about 
and being influenced by other people who had thought about, you know, how, how people want to learn how to program and how people should learn how to program and how people can learn how to program and all those things. And that's actually been a kind of an undercurrent of some of the computer science stuff I got interested in the last couple of years. You know, there was always some direction that I was taking that was toward trying to understand paradigms and looking for languages that would be, you know, useful and good for people who could be learning how to use the programming language all the way up to people that would deploy that same programming language in production, right? And because there tends to be this divide between pedagogical languages and, you know, production languages uh, on one hand or on the other hand, when we try to take production languages and pretend that they're sufficient for pedagogy, uh, a lot of problems come up. I, you know, I, I learned how to program pretty much the same exact way that you did. You know, my introduction to cooking uh, was was very similar to that too. It's funny there. You know, uh, there are there are things that I have learned like just pretty much by reading about them, and then there's other stuff that I've done. You know, by bashing my head on it. And pr programming and cooking are kind of the two biggest things that I've you know really spent a lot of time doing and had like a lot of effort put into it before I realized like oh there's probably like some basic rules you could follow here and if I understood <laughs> a couple things and this would probably be a lot easier and I'd be able to get closer to making the thing that I want to be making right that's I guess that motivates a lot of people yeah for sure I, I was thinking about my first cooking experiences too and there's definitely this time that you know my wife cat won't let me down now like one of our first dates i guess you could call it i went over to her house and i was in kind of a period i was like at this peak of my internal confidence in everything that i did i guess you could say and was like so sure of myself that i was going to be able to just like show up somewhere and like cook even though you know my only experience was very limited cooking for like some friends when we were uh, living abroad and so i didn't i didn't really have even some like some of the basics but under my belt and i was like okay i'm gonna make i'm gonna make her dinner and uh I was like, whoa, what do you have in your house? You got some tomato sauce, you got some orzo. And I'm like, she still to this day like won't won't let me live this down. But somehow I I like cooked some orzo and covered it in tomato sauce and it was kinda like this soupy tomato orzo thing and it, it would taste like garbage and had no <laughs> texture whatsoever. And I think at that point she was like she was nice about it, you know, I think we liked each other, so we kind of uh, let it slide at that point, at least. But I think that was that after that was kind of a turning point for me. Once she told me that it was garbage, I think a couple weeks into our relationship, because I realized that, yeah, I can't just wing it. And there are some things that, you know, some basics that you have to learn. And that's when I really started getting into cookbooks and recipes and trying to figure out how to like actually cook from people who know what they're doing and not just make up the rules as I go. Yeah, I mean, like you've talked about in other episodes, there's like opening the cookbook and finding a recipe that sounds good and cooking it. And then there's also, you know, with the right book, you can read around the recipe and get some of the backstory and you know if it was a dish that someone found while they were on a trip somewhere maybe see some pictures of that trip and really try to understand dish that looks really good in that professionally photographed picture in the book it's <laughs> nice yeah so i i think that that's that's like one biggest thing that i learned uh too when i was trying to get more serious about 
making not only fancy food, but some just food that was ambitious or took a long time or things that, you know, are, are notoriously challenging to put together. And, and this is an interesting thing to talk about, like, you know, what should a recipe be like and how much context should it provide, right? Because there's all this implicit knowledge and jargon in typical recipes and cookbooks. And so you can really miss the point if you take certain things too literally right? Like what does browning or caramelizing mean? And what does, you know, this kind of boil or that kind of sizzle or listen for the sound of it or whatever it is, right? Those things can be challenging. But if you know, you know, kind of how the rules work, you're like, oh, it must be this, right? I mean, you usually still have to guess, but at least your guess will be sort of more uh, educated. I'm, I'm remembering now too, around that time, like I think another thing that really kickstarted my learning of about food was, um, hilariously enough, Mario Batali, and he had you know in early days of Food Network when it was actually shows about cooking, he had this show Multiple Mario, and when I was in college and just like kind of hanging out and watching a lot of TV, that I think they were like just they just ran it all the time, and he had a way of describing how you were cooking that just really spoke to me. I had watched you know, cooking shows as a kid, but never really understood it or never really, you know, absorbed anything from it. But then watching him, I think, I think it was specifically like he would do things like, you know, heavily salt pasta water. And I'd heard people do that before. Like, why do you have to salt pasta water or why? And, you know, other people like would put oil in it and stuff like that, but I never really understood it. And then, but he would then be like, well, this is why you do that. You need to salt the pasta water because you want one, it, it helps the, the boil and two, it like actually adds flavor to the pasta the pasta isn't isn't seasoned so you're seasoning the pasta by adding salt to the water and like i was like oh okay so there actually are reasons why people do these things that i've just heard over and over and over again and so at that point i started really like listening and hearing like these techniques and like things and trying to connect them to the whys and and what you're supposed to do and i think that that really like opened up a whole new world for me of like Oh, so if I learn enough of these techniques and and ways of doing things, then maybe I can get back to the point where I'm like actually making up recipes or, or coming up with new ideas again. But until then, let me stick to the recipes because I don't want another orzo disaster. I, I was influenced by that show too. I remember seeing it and he definitely went out of his way to kind of not just say do this because I say do it, uh, do it because there's this reason and... I mean that's that's funny because like a lot of a lot of people learn to cook because they're taught by you know older people in their family who were taught by older people in their family and sometimes you kind of just mimic what other people teach you and you don't really think about like wait why am I why am I doing it in this way like wouldn't it be better if I do it this way or that way like if you know, like we talked about in the Passover food uh, episode, uh, I remember like the first couple times I got recipes from my mom to cook things, I just kind of followed what she said and followed what the recipe said. And then after a while, I started to think like, wait, you know, every other time I cook some, you know, you know, a, a roast like this that's braised, like I do it this way, I should probably do it for this recipe too. It's it's fun and interesting. I mean, the, the good thing about cooking and the good thing about programming, I think they think they have in common is that you can still produce really good things as the product of just, you know, 
bashing your head against something, right? You're kind of always doing that. I mean, you can make things that work. You can make simple things that taste good or simple things that have simple functionality. You know, it's like you can make the ball bounce around on the screen with C++ code or, you know, make a simple soup. Uh, you know, as the product of kind of just getting some really basic instruction and improvising on top of that. So I think that that's a kind of a cool thing, uh, a thing in common that they share. That's not true of a lot of other disciplines where the barrier of entry is a lot higher. Yeah, I, I, I think for me with the programming stuff, I also like kind of arrived at a lot of conclusions by myself, but then realized that, you know, these are things that if I had just spent the time and actually sat down and read a bit that I, you know, are common patterns or like, you know, gang of four even stuff. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if I arrange my code this way, it makes a lot more sense. And it was like, okay, well, that's, that's the interface pattern. You should know that. And sometimes I regret not actually going, you know, getting a computer science degree because a lot of that stuff might have just been, I might have just, you know, learned that and not had to learn it by trial and error. But then again, sometimes I feel like because I kind of had to get there myself and work hard to get to that point where I really understood it and implemented it, you know, maybe, maybe I, I just know it better because I, I didn't just read it in a book. I think I do feel that way about programming more than I do about cooking for sure. Like I, I think if I had known, speaking of when I was a teacher and I taught students, I think looking back at what I, you know, if I had the tools available to me today, I definitely would choose different technology to teach them with. And I think that some of the things that I learned or conclusions that I arrived to myself when I was teaching myself and learning how to program by doing it um, ended up having, you know, kind of long lasting impact on the way I thought about things. And it's interesting to consider that, you know, maybe the dominant way that you practice shouldn't be so heavily informed by conclusions you arrive to having first experienced those things, right? And if you don't go back and reconsider what you do and you kind of do some variation on conclusions you arrived at when you, you know, first started doing things, at the very least you have an opportunity to like look around and say, oh, there's, there's other interesting ways to approach these kinds of problems. But in the end, I mean, you know, it really is, it, that the reason and the thing that motivates people, I think, to learn is they want to create something, right? Uh, you know, most people are not picking up computer programs or, or start or trying to write computer programs for the sake of like learning how the whole thing works and unlocking the mystery, mysterious connections between mathematics and computers, right? I mean, uh, most people just want to make a Mortal Kombat video game or nowadays a, you know, SAS website or whatever, the, <laughs> whatever it is, it will be it will be interesting to see how over time the tools change to reflect uh, the changing needs of beginners. And hopefully we saw like sort of one or two big waves of things so far. So it'll be interesting to see what the vanguard is in, in you know, five or 10 years from now in putting together simple distributed architectures with data stores and all that stuff. You know, what will it look like? What will it look like to spin up your the resources you need to make an application uh, and what will a beginner have to really understand right i mean we discussed that a little bit too in the magic episode it's like you know now you don't even have to understand anything about how 
physically a lot of these things work to be a beginner at all, right? So even provisioning and, you know, capacity planning and all these things, a lot of this stuff is, of course, purported to be taken care of uh, by, you know, robots for you. Of course, we know, like, that has its limits, but it is interesting to think how much how much power you can spin up now as a beginner and and what it must feel like right now to start if, if you were like, you know, a teenager and you were interested in like, oh, how do these like big websites work? How do I make, you know, something that's like a smaller version of that? Like, <laughs> it seems like it would be a, ver a very interesting time to be have access to all that kind of stuff as beginners because resources were so much considerably more precious when we were, you know, learning how to write computer programs. Sorry, not just resources, but... Uh, you know, code too. There wasn't a GitHub when we were starting, and I I can't even imagine. You know, I mean, I I use you know code examples and searching through projects and all that stuff on GitHub today. You know, so as a beginner, I know. I mean, it must be a little overwhelming too, but I can't imagine having that that amount of resources. You know, as a beginner and just being able to basically any type of program you could want to make having a pretty good example of how to do it. I wonder if that's a little crippling, too, because I'm sure there's a lot of copy pasta going on in in a lot of these code bases, too, just because of how many how many things there are to steal from at this point. But, yeah, do you do you remember some of the, you know, different experiences some of your students had? did you figure out different ways to teach and mentor them? Because I'm sure there were, you know, different varieties of ways people learn even in the, even in a small class like you were teaching. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, uh, tended to take a very humanities and creativity driven approach to teaching computers, computing and programming. So I tried always to have things that were motivated by some interest that the student had. So if I was, you know, when I taught middle school kids like HTML and web design stuff, it was like the thing that motivated pretty much everyone was being able to make a website about something that they liked and, you know, looking for images and learning about licensing and all that stuff and how to like legally put things online and how to creatively compose things that tended to work really well for most students. And uh, if you weren't interested in that, you tended to be interested in like just kind of how the whole thing worked. And then you kind of usually found a hook that way. Um, when I taught like programming, you know, I, I pretty much taught uh, object-oriented programming and was very uh, leaned heavily on a kind of progression of, you know, here's the simple abstractions that make up uh, computer programs and, you know, here are a bunch of different creative projects we can do to, you know, help motivate you figure this thing out, like emulate, pick an artist and emulate their artwork and make an interactive program that it looks like their art or feels like their art or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there were certain students, to answer your question more directly, there were certain students that struggled a lot with that metaphor and didn't understand really what I meant by objects. And so I had to have a lot of different, I don't remember them all now, but yeah, I had to have a lot of different uh, explanations for all these things, like two or three sometimes in order to be able to really demonstrate 
what was going on in the in the program and being able to connect them to how abstract it was so that they could feel like they really understood some component of it and that that was difficult sometimes yeah i'm trying to think of like how i've you know mentored and taught people in the past and even tried to like explain um technology or explain something that we've built realizing that you know i've come i keep coming back to this phrase unpacking and the idea that you know i could say oh this is you know uh object-oriented programming language that is based on small talk and has a lot of uh influence from from lisp and Perl and all these other things and say that it has first class functions and all this stuff and then realize that i could say that to someone and then have to basically go through every single word in that in that description and unpack it into its own definition it's it's interesting to try to have to explain things to people and how deep sometimes you have to go just to explain something that to you because you've you know just have experience and and have learned it over time you know seems simple but actually there's so many things in there that you realize you can't just take for granted that someone will know and that's been uh, pretty well identified as like a big barrier for for beginners is like you know if you have to rely on all of these really loaded terms uh it's going to be challenging for beginners i mean there's a lot of conversation about that in certain functional programming communities right where there's a discussion about you know should we teach to the status quo should we just recognize that there's a big difference between the concepts that we're uh advocating and the concepts that people tend to get exposed to just like in the run of the mill uh, attempts to learn how to make web web programs or whatever right like if you or i had tried to learn Haskell like a year or six months into our career as programmers, you know, we we would not have really had an easier time of it at all than if we had started later, right? In other words, like we didn't, I wasn't, I didn't know any of those ideas at all, you know, uh, functional pro, even functional programming is something that is relatively new to me. So um, I didn't even know that there were other ways to, to do things or other other major approaches and paradigms to to programming and that that's the thing obviously that excited me when i figured out that there were because i wanted to understand them and you know at least apply as many of those ideas as possible to what how i tended to do things but yeah i mean up until a couple years ago i think i thought functional programming was just having a functions.php in your base directory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I think it's a valuable exercise to uh, try to remember what it was like for you when you were learning something that you spend a lot of time on. Uh, and you can learn a lot about how you do things now. And you could definitely, self-reflection is good for if you're going to be mentoring people and giving them advice about how they should be pursuing things. It is really valuable, I think, to think about, hmm, how, did, how was it for me? And what were my experiences? And what have I, what have I gleaned since then? And what, what exposure have I had to beginners? And what, what challenges have they described? And, you know, how could we make this easier? Yeah, I think there's a tendency in the programming community, you know, and I'm I think we both are guilty of it at times too to just once you learn something to kind of hold on to it tightly as almost like a red badge of courage that I got through this thing and so everyone else should have to go through the same pain that I did to get to this point, you know, and the desire to to 
you know, focus and just get more complex as opposed to make things easier for people who are just starting, I think, is a detriment to the community at large because we could be building better, bigger and better things. It's just because things are simple doesn't mean or easy doesn't mean they're lesser than something more complex. And I think there's a, a stigma against things that are simple or easy because they're just not as, you know, magical or awesome as something that's C. Basically, you know, I think it would be great to kind of move beyond that and really help help beginners out as, as, as opposed to just expect them to go through the same pains that we did. I, I agree. I think it's, it's imperative that we make it easier. We want this to be accessible to people that don't have like, you know, five years to, you know, fuck around with computers until they can manage to get them to do what they want, right? Like if, if people who... There might be people who, you know, save up a bunch of time and money to be able to like study how this works. And if we don't have tools that make it easy for anyone in any kind of situation uh, to to have access, then I think it'll the loss will be ours. So I, I think there's a lot of different reasons to for for people to spend time smoothing the edges where they can, and also just to kind of record the record the observations that you have uh, when you have interactions with beginners. And I've seen some really, really encouraging stuff in various communities lately about, okay, how can we, you know, use less jargon, make make fewer assumptions, and, you know, provide a, a culture and materials for people to make them feel welcome. You know, I think that that's, I think that that's really cool. If, if that's something that persists, I think we will definitely benefit, like you said, to build like bigger and cooler things, have more people involved. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it's just about attitude and and how we as the experienced or, you know, more experienced people in the community treat and look at the beginners and the people who are just starting off. Yeah, definitely. And definitely it takes a lot of effort to to create and sustain environments that are welcoming. Uh, and that's like a much bigger topic that we should probably, you know, spend, spend the show some other time uh, discussing. Yeah. Any any other takeaways you you wanted to leave us with regarding your 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 memories uh, as a beginning cook or or, <laughs> com, or Yeah, I mean, I I was actually just reading an article last night about on Lucky Peach about how people were you know questioning the merits of culinary school for for students and Thomas Keller actually had a quote in it where he was like, well, would you want your medical doctor to to not have gone to to medical school, you know, that was his kind of rebuttal to uh, saying that maybe chefs shouldn't go to culinary school. I think we we have just been identifying and saying that maybe maybe doctors aren't actually the same thing as uh, as chefs. Maybe it actually is closer to programmers, and maybe you know it is okay if you didn't go to. Uh, get a computer science degree as long as you're willing to work hard and learn and i think i think i would love to say that i'm living proof of that but i think there are a lot of other people too in fact like i i personally graduated with an art history degree i want to i really want to believe that anyone can be a programmer and anyone can be a a chef and it really is just about how hard you're willing to work at it if you're willing to open up your mind to the way things work and willing to just learn basically and i've seen i've seen that happen over and over again in mentoring young programmers that you know there's no one type of person or one type of background that makes a great programmer it's really just about the willingness to go all in and really learn and and do 
on that note, uh, let's let the let's let the clean take us home to, with a little more tally ho. We'll we'll be back to you soon, hopefully with some some fun guests. And as usual, if you like our show and you love pizza, which I hope you do, check out beatsridetypes.com/pizza and sign up for our pizza book, which we are going to start working on. I hope everyone is doing well, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.